Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Adam Flaherty and Mark Checkett, co-hosts of Modern Dadhood, a fatherhood-themed podcast whose mission is to celebrate present and involved fatherhood, gain new parenting perspectives, and become better fathers through conversations with famous dads, not famous dads, dads-to-be, stepdads, granddads, trans dads, and more. Welcome, Adam and Mark. Thank you so much. What's so great to be here with you both. What an honor. Thank you. Let's just go around. I want to get the field. I want to hear like how many kids, how old for all of us, I guess. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I'm Adam Flaherty. I live in Maine and I have two daughters who are, I'm just going to say 10 and 7 because they're like weeks away. (laughs) Oh, it sounds like we have children with similar birthdays because mine are 14. This is always hard for me. 15, 13 and 11, but we moments away from being 12. Oh, okay. Two boys and a girl, I have, yeah. Yeah, wow, wow, yeah. My daughter and I share a birthday, actually, and strangely, my dad has the same birthday, so three generations all on the same January day. Big party on that day at your house. You should do like a Freaky Friday pitch, like a Freaky Friday-themed triple switch. I don't know how it would, who, who switches with what, but I'm feeling it. I'm feeling yeah, yeah, what a great idea. Oh, that's a movie yeah, right yeah. there. That's, that's a it. movie right there. Why hasn't that movie been made? Amy, <laughs> million dollar idea. Let's do it. Let's go into Freaky production. Friday, but three people. I'm Amy, and I have three kids. I bet I'm the oldest, parent of the oldest, at least on here, 16, 19, and 21 years old. Wow, 21 years old. Yeah, that's a grown person that you have. You've got there. an adult. You've got a genuine adult. Yeah, he goes to college and he now lives off campus, has a car down there, like shopping at Target yesterday. Like it really feels something about this post 21 life feels like very whoa, like almost more than going to college. Feels like a transition. Yikes, to like, me. I can't even allow myself to go there at this point. And my name is Mark, and I have two children. They're both boys, and they are both turning six years old in one month. I have twins. Twins. I wanted twins so badly until I didn't want twins because I had, I started having kids at 37. So I was like, let's see how many I can have. And so I wanted twins because I thought we'd get some on the board right away because I come from a big family. I wanted a big family, but I was starting late. And then I had kids, two boys, 18 months apart. And then I was pregnant the third time. And I was like, okay, everything I said about twins, forget that. I don't want twins. I don't want to go from two to four. I can't handle it. And I didn't. I just had one. 
Yeah. We talked very seriously about having one child <laughs> for quite some time, and we ended up with twins. Yeah. Surprise. You get what you get, and you don't get upset, as they say. Oh, I love that. And it's. I was just talking to somebody yesterday who doesn't have kids about something. I don't remember what we were talking about, but I said, I think the biggest misconception about parenthood is the amount of control that you have. This is what we want. And this is how our plan is going to go. And it's just a constant lesson of parenthood. That's not a thing, as it turns out. You think you're going to get the kid who finally becomes the quarterback you always wanted to be. And it's uh, it's probably not going to happen. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It's not going to work out. All I can do is hope for the best. So Adam and Mark, tell me why you started this podcast. I feel like there's a lot of mom podcasts out there that are, of course, for parents, but we name ours as a mom podcast. Yours is a dad podcast. Why do you think there are fewer dad podcasts than mom podcasts? And why did you start Modern Dadhood? I think we started it because there are so few dad podcasts. And we thought maybe there's a little uh, corner of the podcast market that we could excel in. But I think it just goes back decades and decades. And there's this sort of stereotype that thankfully has evolved so much to get us to where we are now that fathers are less involved. In the 50s and 60s, it was the dad that got home from work and wanted to have dinner on the table and watch his television shows while the mother did all the work and put the kids to bed. And again, thankfully, it's evolved so much. But when Mark and I both became parents, our friendship went from just talking, making each other laugh about whatever we were talking about, what was going on at work, to talking about our kids all the time and celebrating this role of being a dad. And I have found that whenever I encounter someone else with kids, that's what we talk about. And so my background is in video production. And when I was curious to start exploring the podcast medium, it just made sense to team up with Mark and to talk about this thing that we already find ourselves chatting about and laughing about so much. And the other piece of it is we are two 40-year-old white guys from New England. And the idea that we could chat with people from not only all over the country, but in other parts of the world whose lives are very different and fatherhood experiences are so different from our own would be a great opportunity for us to learn, to gain new perspectives, to gain new language and ways of discussing things, to normalize conversations that can be uncomfortable to talk about, to get out of our comfort zone a little bit. So that's for me, the inspiration for me to- And I'll just add, I didn't know that I wanted to be a co-host of a podcast about fatherhood until one day I was cleaning my garage and my phone rang and it was Adam. And he said, hey, I've got this idea- Can you help me with some, my background is in graphic design and marketing and was originally, hey, can you help me maybe get this thing off the ground with some artwork and this, that, and the other. And like he just said, we got to talking. And by the end of that conversation, the question was, hey, do you want to maybe do this with me? And I think I said, I got, let me think about it. But I think it was, I put the phone down. You don't put the phone down anymore. It's a cell phone. What do you do with it? You just tap it. Slide. You just slide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I walked back and hung it up on the hook in the kitchen. No. and Showing I, your age. Showing your age. <laughs> yeah. Hit the two transparent little plugs with your few fingers. You untangled the coiled cable. I put the phone away and pretty much was immediately said to myself, what are you doing? Of course you want to be a part of that. Like it's so all of the things that Adam just said, I agree with. And yes, but I get so much comfort 
from just having a conversation with my friend. There's no pressure. He knows who I am. And if I'm having a problem, I can easily talk to him. And if I'm having a good time, I can easily share that with him. And we always say it's about the joys, the challenges, and the general insanity. And I get so much out of just sharing that with Adam. And for me, the hope that maybe other people listening will feel that a little bit of that same get something out of it like I am, then that's a bonus. It's a win-win scenario, I hope. I think especially for dads, and we talk a lot about isolation in motherhood, and mm. that I think that men sometimes, they're isolated in a different way. That we're physically isolated, but I know I'm on the phone probably two hours a day talking to my sisters, chatting with friends, going to the gym with my friend, and we're always, we're deep. We're in the deep end pretty much right away in friend conversations. But I think the isolation of being home with kids is very hard on moms and that you can feel very isolated in that way. But do you find there's an isolation for dads around this conversation, that the conversations don't as naturally flow to what are you doing with your kids and looking for help and looking for guidance between dads? Is that something that you find or am I just thinking of oldie times when my dad would have literally never had a conversation about parenthood to another male for any reason ever. I think in my personal social circles, that's not a thing. But I think for many men out there who are dads, new dads, and aren't used to having those conversations, uh, that can be a thing. And it can be very isolating. So I think one of our hopes for the podcast is that this creates some kind of community that encourages those people to open up more and talk about it and talk to their partners about it. Here's what I'll say. I find myself in social circles and even with, I have two older siblings. Well, I have two older brothers specifically who are both dads and they're not that much older than I am, nine years apart from me. And that sort of, I think, classic or old timey or whatever mentality of a dad's gonna dad kind of thing held over from the 1950s is present there. And they're not that much older than I am. So that's just one thing I wanted to say. But also in my social circles, I do find a lot that like we'll talk about our kids and we'll talk about our experiences. But the thing that's a little rare even still is going deep with it. Like you had mentioned, Margaret, a minute ago, that's something that happens to you often with whoever it is that you're talking with. If it's a friend or your sister or somebody, I think it's generally still a harder thing. I'm going to generalize, but like a harder thing for guys to get to that level. And I think that's just a holdover too. And it's just more pervasive or more deeply rooted. And this is what it means to be a dad and what we looked to for our dads as examples, right? And they were firmly planted in that world. So it's while I talk about parenthood and kids and with my social circles, it is still harder to get to that deeper level. There's something about vulnerability there is still not our first step. It takes some time and some liquid courage from time to time, maybe, to get to that more vulnerable point. You know, it comes a little bit more easy to me, but I think generally speaking, that's still something that is difficult for maybe men. Especially if you're facing challenges. We had a guest come on, Joe Cohane, who talked about postpartum depression in men and how prevalent that is, but how infrequently it's diagnosed because it's 
diagnosed in a very different way than it is with women. Somebody who's facing that may not even realize that they have it, but it's easy to complain about the things that are hard about being a parent. But when it comes to things like self-care, you may be concerned that you're coming off as not a masculine enough, for example. And so I guess what we're trying to do is break down some of those barriers too and say, hey, it's all right to take care of yourself and do things that are going to ultimately enable you to be a better parent because you're healthier as a person. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we will talk even more about modern dadhood. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, When you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, Even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H-HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. So I think the conversation on fatherhood has evolved and that fatherhood is something to lean into and be engaged with and think about. But I'm thinking a lot of the times that we've had other dads on the show as guests, the content that they're creating is their stay-at-home dads and the content is for stay-at-home dads. And hey, we're not dummies. We can do this too, right? Like I can pack the diaper bag as well as anybody, which is definitely the case. But what I think is still a little different is that a mom, it doesn't really matter if she's working outside the home or not, mom is still a huge part of her identity 
or should be or better be. And almost no matter what she does, she's like, well, I'm a mom. You know, I run an investment bank, whatever. Like whatever she's going to say, mom is always in the first sentence. And I think that we're like, dads can be involved. And it's yes, if they're like raising their kids full time, those are involved dads or else it's not something a lot of guys still feel like they have to talk about. It's like mom is the number one identity and dad is like the number four identity. Like I could work with a dude for 10 years and not know whether or not he has kids. And I don't think I could ever do that with a woman. And that's not true for every dad, but it's still true for some dads in a way that I don't think it's true for almost any mom that I know. Aside from having conversations about it and through those conversations, encouraging men who are fathers to become more involved and to sort of move that particular label of dad up higher on that list. I'm sure you've talked about in your podcast, like how else can we sort of encourage that to happen and keep things shifting in that direction? It's interesting. I wonder, and I'm answering this kind of off the top of my head, so I may say something crazy. So bear with me. But I wonder, I don't know if I'm as interested in the identity part. I think that my husband is someone who does not have conversations when he is away from home about his children and his identity as a father. He's also like a very nutty professor engineer who like is completely unidirectional at all times. And like a spotlight, he can only turn his light towards one thing at a time. And so I don't feel an investment in making him a person who investigates fatherhood on a different level. But we have had a lot of practical conversations in my house about how to make the work within our home as equitable as possible. And I think that there was a time where I was doing 90% and he was doing 10%. And I think we have gotten to a point where he's almost doing 60% and I'm doing 40% a lot of days. And to me, that is the interesting crux of it versus he is never going to be a person who's like, I'm going to get a book on parenting and try to be a better father. I don't know if it's his raising. I don't know if it's his DNA. That's not part of his makeup in some way. But I think his ability to make home and myself and our marriage and our family a priority did take a lot of work I think that I, I think was it's really not in the DNA in though and I think it does come one and then the other you know that first there is a more equitable balance of the parent is doing something and then as they become more involved and they do get more engaged with gee if she isn't reading at grade level what should we be doing about that you know that goes from something you don't know about that you're reading to your daughter at night till you do discover that she likes books about knights and dragons more than other kinds of books and then why is that and is there a summer camp for this kid like the sort of investment in the work might increase when you're just sort of around more but I don't think there's not enough dad podcasts because dads wouldn't want to have a podcast you know I think it's not a conversation they've been asked to be a part of not that they wouldn't yeah I think some of what we're talking about is just gen general awareness of the difference between the way that maybe I'll just say again to generalize typical mom might go through her day versus a typical dad going through his day especially when kids aren't in the picture like when you're at work for example or out with friends do dads more often take that opportunity to just be like whew I'm gonna leave that behind me now and just I'm not dad Mark right now I'm like crazy friend Mark going to the bar with his other crazy friends right and then Margaret, what you were talking about is Adam still asked a question that I don't know that we're getting to the answer of, but if more men, dads, 
become aware of the differences and begin to just naturally, there's a partnership in parenting. So it's figure out the ground rules, figure out how to do this more equally together, what have you. And then to the best of your ability, just model that in the home. And then the idea or the hope perhaps there is that there's more generations of children coming up with that as the picture of what a mom and a dad do. There's a balance there as opposed to I go to Mm -hmm. mom for everything. And I think the balance and I think the getting to Adam's question, it comes from coming into the balance without strong Mm. gendered roles so that the balance can look like anything in any given relationship versus dads do these things and moms do these things. And I think that was some of the resetting that we had to do in my own marriage in terms of, I want you to do these things and do these pickups and make this meal. And But I think that we probably, because of who we are and our age and whatever else, we still came in with fairly strong gendered roles in our division. But I think, and I do think I see this in the next generation with my nieces and nephews, they're coming in much more with a blank slate on those issues. So it doesn't always have to be like, of course, you'll work. And of course, I'll stay home. And of course, I'll make the meals. And of course, you'll do the grilling on Sundays. Like they're coming in with less weighted versions of gender roles. And I think that gets to what Adam is saying, like the way you start to break this down is to say, An equitable home is the goal, and that can look like anybody doing any role versus us breaking down into these very 50s gender roles. First, it was that men weren't expected to do any of the work. It wasn't an expectation. And now they are, and they expect themselves to. And I still think there's this part that's left, but they aren't really expected to be engaged with it or interested with it or think about their kids when their kids aren't around. That's not anything anybody's asking them to do, but we're starting to. And then I think the conversation part follows. Mark, I don't even know if we've talked about this. Do you recall having conversations with your partner prior to having kids? Of course, you decided together that you wanted to have a child or multiple children, but do you recall having conversations about the level of involvement where not necessarily who's going to do what specific roles, but yes, I'm going to be very invested in this and create that equitable relationship or environment? I definitely had that conversation. Again, I was older going into it. And our conversation did look, it was gendered. I mean, I was very much my goal was to be able to spend as much time with my kids as possible and basically stay home. And as a person with an artistic background, I had always been sporadically employed, let's say. And so I was making some money, but my conversation with my husband was very much geared around, if we have kids, you cannot change your mind about your job, basically. This is a financial arrangement that we're getting into. And my job is extremely unpredictable. And your job is very predictable. Luckily, my husband loves his work and likes what he does. But like, just to be clear, I will not support your dream of becoming like a poet next year. If we have kids, this whole agreement becomes very different. Like your job, you better like it because you're in it. And my job is not stable. So and even if it was, maybe I want to stay home. And so we definitely had a pretty strong conversation around like, All other things aside, this is going to look like you earning money and me staying home with kids. 
I really thought about the part where I was going to stay home. Similarly, like my husband had a steady job that he was going to make a little bit more next year than he did this year, probably. And I was an actor. It was like, who knows? I might never work again. I might be a big star tomorrow. And then I was putting that aside and I was definitely much more focused on like, I'm going to stay home with kids. My mom stayed home with us. I was happy to do it. Like I wanted to do it. I wanted to have that time, but was definitely much more focused on. So I'm setting that aside and didn't really stop to consider like, and that means for you, you're going to take on all the burdens of being the wage earner. And I think he did. I I didn't worry about it at all because he was worried about it. Am I doing enough? Is this okay? And you know, yeah, you're right, Margaret. You set up sort of 18 years of locked in roles for both of you. I was more focused on just the one, my own. I don't know. I feel like that's maybe rare, Margaret, what you described. Maybe. You know, I mean, my wife and I had a million and one conversations, but it was very much all about just getting the kids to exist. For various reasons, we went the route of IVF to have our kids and it took two rounds to get there. So even years before that, in our old life, when we lived in New Jersey and we both commuted back and forth into Manhattan every day, all of our conversations around children were, wouldn't it be nice to have kids someday? We'll never do it in this scenario because both of us work full time and in and around New York City, that means just 12, 14 hour days day in and day out. It didn't compute at all. How do you even bring children into this picture? Long story short, we moved to New Hampshire, got some different jobs. Suddenly it was like, oh, okay, maybe this is how people do it. But then our conversations really became about getting the kids. And we didn't have those conversations really about how do we form a strong partnership for the long haul? And it's just in retrospect now, I mean, it is one of the, you're right, Adam, we don't really talk about this particular topic all too often, but Man, I look back now and I think we should have spent so much more time just with like pencil and paper and working it out and thinking about it and thinking about the roles. You know, we both just said we both have full-time jobs. We're going to keep our full-time jobs. We'll figure it out. There's probably nannies and daycares, right? And just moved forward and we're making it work. But boy, those conversations... And maybe ground rules and some vision mapping or something, if we had done that back before the kids came into the picture, would have been very helpful. I have Ooh. a reflection on that. Let's take a break. We're talking to the hosts of Modern Dadhood, and we will be right back. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. 
And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Mark, we're talking about like the idea of checklists and stuff. And I do think, and this is something we talked a lot about on the podcast, and it's been eye-opening for me, and talking to people like Eve Rodsky and lots of different fresh take guests about how to equitable marriage and how to short share the load. And I think that the work that you're talking about, in an ideal world, it is done before marriage, because I think the problem with marriage often is that you think you're looking for a dance partner and you're looking for a mountaineering partner, like you're totally shopping for the wrong role. And I find that my husband and I, we've fallen out of the habit because I will say to everyone listening, gets a little easier when the kids get a little older, like the day-to-day drama and trauma I find is less now. But we used to do every Sunday, like, what does the week look like coming up? And who's doing what? And we still do those checklists. And still, my husband has recently had a kind of a work-related grind where he fell into the blender at work. And I'm right back to, like, glaring at him when he walks in the door at night after his really tough day of doing stuff that is awful. But I'm like, just handed me the football and disappeared. And I'm not seeing that he disappeared into an insanely stressful all night, every night work situation. And so we just had the conversation of let's have a Sunday meeting. Let's go back to those things. Because I think that when people say like marriage is work, it is like work. I know Amy and I now run a podcast company together. And one of the things we sometimes do is like everybody write down everything you do in a day. And let's see where who's doing stuff twice, who's not doing anything, where is this falling through? And I think that you can have that dynamic in a marriage without it becoming just like angry coworkers at the daycare, it can become a really functional working relationship, which is what it is. Yeah. Gosh, and you say before marriage, it's like I was an absolute different human being at that point. I was 24 when I got married. My wife is a few years older than me. But that's at the time you feel like, boy, I'm I'm in my mid-20s. Look at me. <laughs> I've learned a bunch of stuff about the world and I got it. But boy, you look back. I at least had the good sense to be like, I'm an idiot. This is at least a decade away from me, man. I'm not even close. I wish I had a few more people just in my regular walking around time in my day, reminding me how much of an idiot I truly <laughs> was in real time. I look back now, I'm 42 and I look back now and just think, you had no idea, you know, but you are making these monumental decisions that affect your entire life and perhaps more importantly, another entire person's entire life. And know? soon and four bring, people's entire lives. And you bring children yeah, you into it and the then, twins, oops, yeah. yeah. So I really like the Sunday night meeting. And yeah, the further I get in my professional career, the more I do see the benefits of bringing some of that structure and project management almost into the personal life. There's a lot of benefit into figuring out a way how to get that into your personal life as well. 
This involved in our early marriage a lot of me screaming at my husband. If you did this at your job, you would get I have fired. A- <laughs> and I was like, That's let's good. bring the job home because like, this is how you do it at your job. My husband is, again, he's very absent-minded. He has a crazy whiteboard. He makes himself crazy lists. I'm like, we got to do that. And on the list needs to be call wife once a day. Like, you got to make your list. One of the uh, our own meetings, something I would say is it's a meeting. And as you said, it's a work meeting. And that means with your calendar open in front of you and something to write things down, like it means because often my spouse and I will be like, yeah, 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 I got it. And then when we really sit down, you yeah, know, no, I can definitely do that. But oh, that Wednesday. Oh, we, I thought there was another Wednesday before Martin Luther King Day. It's the same way. Oh, I can't do that now. Like when you really sit and engage with the lack of infinite weekends you have, right? No, it's the same weekend, the tournament and your sister's thing. So which one are we missing? You really have to have it in front of you. That cuts down on the you told me you could do this two weeks later. And it, it also oh, yeah. leaves room. I literally just had that conversation this morning. <laughs> I think it leaves a lot of room for fun and like romance and happiness in a marriage. Because I feel like sometimes people feel like this doesn't sound very romantic and fun. It's like do the hard work Sunday afternoon. The rest of your life can be fun. My, when my husband walks in now and I know that he's picked up the dinner that he was supposed to pick up and he's already cleaned the kitchen in the morning and he's, we like smile at each other. Hey, how was your day? It's so far away from where we were, which was him walking in and being like, take this baby and you didn't this. And if you do the hard work a little bit at a time, the rest of your interaction can be fun and romantic. Yeah, I'm glad you'd said that, right? Because it, it's true. You get to talking about it, acting like it's a job or just talking about it in those terms. And yeah, obviously, I think people's minds start to, yeah, but that doesn't sound fun or happy or sexy or whatever it is. But it, it's in practice. And look, my wife and I definitely have improvements to make, I'll say, especially around scheduling. It's just our kids are finally getting to the point where it's, it is, it's, oh, oops, there's two birthday parties at the exact same time. And you told that family we'd go to that one. And I told that family we'd go to that one. And now we have to make one of our kids upset because of that. But just thinking of when you do finally get whatever it is, a date night or an afternoon to yourselves, walking around downtown, wherever, without the kids, for example, you want to be able to, in those moments, not be like weighed down or, you know, laden with all of these things we haven't discussed in a while. And now I feel like I want to discuss them now, but I also don't want to ruin the moment. And then you're both getting in that. <laughs> right. Or airing of the grievances from everything you haven't done correctly. Yeah. So maybe it doesn't sound quite as fun, but schedule that stuff so that when the fun things do come about and those need to be scheduled to sometimes, then you're not worrying about that stuff because you've pre-planned it. You've carved it out and it's I'm saying this out loud mostly for me because I... <laughs> Note to future selves. Because <laughs> you want your wife to hear this and know that it, you're thinking. Yeah, I want her to think like I've been paying attention this whole time. No, because I need to be reminded, honest, truthfully. I really did. That's definite. Like I said, we didn't set off on our journey with that first step in mind. Like we didn't. And now we're here. We've been married for a long time, but we've had kids for six years, but still a struggle because we're still not well, in and, that and mode. And Margaret, you mentioned keeping the romance in your relationship. And I'm not like talking about specifically like intimacy, but by doing that, the logistical work that you're describing, it creates space for you to 
revisit, just doing small, nice things to be helpful to you, not even just having your positive conversations, remembering to do a favor or just to send a little note to your partner to let them know that you're thinking about them. And those things ultimately just lead to a stronger, healthier relationship, a more enjoyable relationship that's modeling positivity and better things for your kids as well. And I do think, listen, there's a lot of people who are just in it. And I would count six-year-old twins in this category too, that you can't out system children under five. Like it's just too much chaos and too much poop and too much. Someone's always screaming and tantruming and it's too much time with them. I don't know that you can out system that phase of life. And sometimes you just have to be like, what do you call it, Amy? It's like, you got to put your head down and just get through some of those years. You had an ex- the salt mine years. Yeah. Just <laughs> it's hard labor. Yeah. Like you're just in it. And I will say, I feel like when our kids hit like solid elementary school, like third grade on, my husband and I were just like, oh, hey, you, this is fun. And I will say like my kids, I still have an 11 year old, but I have a 14 year old. On Friday nights, we get the kids McDonald's and we go down to the bar and we have a drink and a nice appetizer and we talk about our weeks. Like, it's a lot better on the other side. And so I just don't want people to feel like, well, I did all these systems and I'm still miserable. You might be miserable because your life is just completely miserable and apologies, but like for now, right? It's just a season that you're in. For now. It's a season. And like, I do think you can even verbalize that sometimes to your partner. Like, God, there were just years where my husband and I were like, you've put me in this mess and I don't like you and you didn't do the dishes also. And now I just feel like, oh, this is what it's like to like the person you're married to again. (laughs) You're right with the word chaos. It's an apt, that is what it feels like so much of the time. I mean, and that's one of the reasons why I love meeting every couple of weeks with Adam because it's a moment where I get to acknowledge the chaos, acknowledge that it's, it is what it is. There are some things that are out of your control and that's sort of okay. And I, I kind of need my wife too. I mean, we need that. I guess it's like the reassurance that this is what it is right now. And the reminder that hopefully there's another side to it. So the phrase that I always try to say to moms is this is as hard as you think it is. And it's like, that's whenever I talk to moms who are having a hard time, I'm like, yep, it's as hard as you think it is because it stinks. It's really hard. That's brilliant. I love that. Actually, I have a question for the two of you. Modern dadhood as a title for your podcast. It's fun. I love it. I get what the show's about. But what is the difference between dadhood and fatherhood? And is it what we've been talking about? That is a good question. Great question. I don't know that I've ever actually taken time to think about that, Amy. (laughs) I have an immediate... You're formulating a thought right now, Adam. I don't want to take anything away from you, but... Well, see, here's what I'm... When (laughs) I go like this, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to look like I'm formulating a thought when really my head is completely (laughs) empty. You're just hoping to receive something. (laughs) Well, it's really interesting. I mean, no, I don't know that I've ever thought of it that way. But I will say, as soon as you ask that question, I realize that oftentimes I use the word dad to refer to me, to refer to like my brother, my friends who are dads. But I use the word father to refer to my dad. I don't know that I've ever referred to myself as really being a father. It's almost a word that it carries with it something that's, I don't know. On one hand, it feels a little old timey. But on the other hand, it also feels like there's an esteemed sort of, you become a dad when you have kids, but you're a a father once you've maybe endured 
being a dad for some time, just putting words to this now, really. But I, you're making me realize that I kind of do use the words dad and father to almost mean two, two sides of the same coin, almost. I've never really thought about that. I guess that's true for me, too. I don't really say that I'm a mother. And we have motherhood in our in the title of our podcast, where we just said it, mom, because we realize that's what we call ourselves these days. And motherhood, it's an institution that we're not so sure we want to be a part of in the same way. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And I wonder, Adam, at the back of your mind, was there some kind of, I mean, was what I'm saying make sense to you? And was saying, okay, it's modern, so it has to be dadhood, not fatherhood, because it bucks a trend if we do that. Was that... Some of the thinking, maybe, subconsciously. You know, I think it probably was a subconscious thing. I think we may have just hit on the ethos of our podcast four years later (laughs) than we should have. It makes perfect sense to me. And I think subconsciously, that's probably exactly why we arrived at it. But yeah, modern fatherhood. Not only does it just feel like a clunkier title, to me anyway, but yeah, I think fatherhood harkens back to this older idea of what a father was and dad feels current and fresh and involved and present and mindful and all all of these things that we aspire to be. Mark, Adam, tell us and our listeners where we can find the podcast and find more of everything modern dadhood. Sure. We can direct people to moderndadhood.com where they can find every episode of the show. You can search by guest name. If you heard that we had a particular person on that you want to hear from, you can search by topic. If there's a theme that you're interested in, all of the episodes are there as well as anywhere else you can find podcasts. We're on social media, on, well, Instagram and Facebook. We dabble in TikTok a little bit. We're even on LinkedIn. Where else, Mark? That's everything. We've got a YouTube channel as well. And we put, it's a lot of repeat content, but once in a while, there's some fun visual content. So you get to see our beautiful faces and sometimes our guests as well on YouTube. But And we uh, like to say that although a majority of our listeners are men, are fathers, a lot of moms like modern dadhood too. So we welcome moms to listen and try to create an environment that's very welcoming of anybody with kids who is a parent. We're going to put a link to all of that, the YouTube channel, the podcast, all of that in the show notes. Adam and Mark, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing. 
even about the tough stuff.